The early living conditions on Earth were quite hazardous. At first, there was just the vast ocean with no oxygen or land. The initial life forms were just microbes and marine animals. After the formation and oxygenation of the atmosphere occurred, the earliest multicellular organisms could evolve. Over the last 500 million years, land vertebrates and plants have spread across the globe. Despite that, there have been several massive extinction events that have wiped out the dominant species of the planet, like dinosaurs or mammoths. How on earth has life managed to survive at all in the midst of volcanoes, ice ages and asteroids? Charles Darwin said in The Origin of the Species, it is not the strongest or the most intelligent of the species that survives. It's the one that's most adaptable to change. That's what we'll be talking about in today's Body Mind Empowerment Podcast. I'm your host Seem Lund, and the topics I'm going to cover right now include physical as well as psychological adaptation in the form of hormesis. So let's get to it. Do you want to know what it is? Body Mind Empowerment. Get stronger, faster, smarter, quicker, friendlier, more helpful, more driven. Everything the body needs. Control your mind. Us humans have managed to build our civilization not because we could fight a gorilla in hand-to-hand combat and definitely not because we could outthink dolphins but because we've adapted to almost any condition on this planet. No other species lives in the Arctic, in deserts, in jungles, at sea or in barren wastelands. No other species has the ability to eat and digest such a wide variety of foods, starting from meat, vegetables, nuts and seeds, and ending with fish, eggs, and grains. No other species is able to reconstruct their living environment to such a degree and build cities. Of course, our ingenuity, language, social cooperation, and communal living have played the biggest part in our evolutionary development. However, our adaptability has a physiological basis as well. The biological phenomenon to this is called hormesis, which comes from the Greek word and it means rapid motion, eagerness, or to set in motion. Basically, hormesis is a biphasic response to a toxin or a stressor. First, there's the initial contact that causes injury to the body. Secondly, the following reaction leads to adaptation, which leaves the body in a better condition than it was before. This is exactly what the concept of Nassim Nicholas Taleb's anti-fragility is about. Fragile things break under pressure and they get destroyed. Resilient things resist a shock, but they stay the same. Anti-fragile things adapt to the change and become better. Hormesis was first described by a German pharmacologist named Hugo Schultz in the year 1888. He discovered that a very small dose of lethal poison didn't kill off the yeast he was experimenting with, but actually made them grow. The term hormesis itself was coined and first used in a scientific paper by Chester Southam and J. Ehrlich in 1943 in the journal Phytopathology, Volume 33. 
In 2012, Mark Madsen explained that cells respond to bioenergetic stresses by increasing DNA repair proteins, antioxidant enzymes, and the production of neurotrophic factors such as BDNF. It is also believed that this is the reason why eating vegetables, drinking tea or coffee can improve your brain's health. Plants contain noxious chemicals that are supposed to protect them from being eaten by insects and other organisms. However, thanks to the constant evolutionary arms race between us and animals, we've developed counter-adaptations in the form of hormesis, and we trigger a beneficial response when eating these foods. Yep, hell yeah! Friedrich Nietzsche said, That which does not kill us makes us stronger. He was a philosopher, not a biologist. But this quote fits hormesis perfectly. So here are some examples of hormesis. Physical exercise is a clear example of hormesis. People with low levels of physical activity are said to be more prone to oxidative stress. Not working out makes you more susceptible to a variety of diseases. I mean, how crazy is that? Regular exercise at both low intensities and high intensities lower your body's level of oxidative stress that improve longevity and brain health. Exercise itself causes oxidative stress, especially at high intensities like lifting weights or hit cardio. However, it triggers adaptations that increase mitochondrial density and biogenesis through mitochondrial hormesis. Alcohol is another hypothetical form of hormesis, as it's believed to prevent heart disease and stroke. However, there's evidence to show that these benefits are exaggerated. I would say that maybe a shot of vodka or a glass of wine once a week can be good for you, but when you start drinking anything beyond that, then you're probably just lying to yourself. You go like, ah, got to get my hormesis in, and you end up drinking every day. Beer, ciders, long drinks, cocktails, they're all anti-hormetic with zero advantages, like zero. You're just killing your brain cells and getting fatty liver disease. Drum, yes. Red wine contains resveratrol, which is one of those protective plant compounds, and it's greatly associated with anti-aging effects. Maybe one to two glasses of red wine a week can be beneficial, but again, I wouldn't suggest drinking every day because alcohol is still a neurotoxin that directly damages nerve cells. Why is the rum gone? Exposure to sunlight at low or moderate doses has a lot of health benefits. It's one of the most effective ways of synthesizing vitamin D in the body, but it can also reduce the incidence of cancer. Cold exposure triggers AMPK, which is a fuel sensor that causes your mitochondria to grow and improve their efficiency. It's also a positive adaptation to lower temperatures with many other health benefits such as reduced inflammation, improved immune system and greater tolerance to pain. Heat exposure activates these so-called heat shock proteins which allow the cells to resist the damaging effect of heat. High temperatures can also stimulate the lymphatic system which works like an inner pump for moving liquids and toxins in the body. Mental stress is another example of hormesis when you're forced to flex your neural muscles. Learning new things, gaining skills, being in unpredictable high-stress situations, novel environments and challenges all trigger neuroplasticity and neurogenesis that make you grow new brain cells and create new synaptic connections. This actually bolsters your brain for future stressors and teaches you how to deal with them better mentally. I mean, anti-fragility is very much a mindset thing. 
Whenever you're in difficult situations or whenever you're going through tough times in your life, then reminding yourself that it's okay, that this pain will make you stronger in the future, then you will not only find more strength to deal with the present moment, but you will also augment your mindset for anything else that's to come. There's the quote, pain is inevitable, suffering is optional, which means that you can't escape the physical stimuli, the pain, the discomfort, the emotions, but you can change your perception of it. Your perception of the things that are happening to you quite literally alter the way you experience and feel them. I think you should think about it more deeply and allow it to reconceptualize your mental framework because you're using your mind to cause a different response, which is, you know, just so powerful. It's only after we've lost everything that we're free to do anything. Moving on, caloric restriction and intermittent fasting cause mild oxidative stress that trigger protective proteins called sirtuins. They're associated with longevity and reduced inflammation. Fasting also reduces your body's need for calories. You begin to need less food to maintain your muscle mass and physiological functioning. People think that it's metabolic damage or slow metabolism, but it's more like metabolic efficiency, actually. I would say that this is a good thing because burning calories and digesting food itself, it can speed your aging because of oxidation. You shouldn't think about how much food can I eat while not getting fat, but instead you should focus on how little I can eat while still building and maintaining muscle and being healthy. That's another complete paradigm shift. And also short-term fasting and starvation can also fight cancer, which is definitely a good thing. <laughs> but let's move on with some of the foods that trigger hormesis. Foods high in resveratrol are grapes, blueberries, cranberries, raw cacao and dark chocolate. The darker pigments and bitterness in these in these foods especially, they are, they're like great signs of antioxidants and healthy compounds. Fermented foods are another form of mild hormesis because of the live bacteria in them. They, they promote the healthy microbiome in your gut. Sauerkraut, pickles, kombucha, kimchi, tempeh and apple cider vinegar are great, great examples of this. These are alive probiotics that we don't digest fully but, but we use them to feed the microfauna inside, inside our stomachs. Fibrous vegetables like cabbage, kale, broccoli, cauliflower and spinach, they have a lot of indigestible fiber. We have a shorter digestive tract and our brain needs more calories in the form of fats. However, the fiber from vegetables, it still promotes digestion and gut health through a similar hormetic response. And of course, your gut health directly influences the state of your brain and cognition because like 90% of your serotonin gets produced in the gut and the majority of your immune system is also influenced by by the microbiome in your gut. But also curcumin or turmeric is a spicy compound. It has many antioxidant and anti-inflammatory benefits. Consuming curcumin causes a hormetic response and it has many protective effects on brain and neurogenesis as well. Converting calories into energy happens in the mitochondria. The byproducts of this process are free radicals or reactive oxygen species known as ROS. Free radicals increase oxidative stress in the body, 
causing inflammation, disease, and decreasing mitochondrial density. Foods that cause more oxidative stress are high in processed carbohydrates, like candies, pastries, chips, cookies, diet sodas, all those, all those kind of things. The indulgences of modern food industry. <laughs> Carbohydrate metabolism, which is called glycolysis itself, it causes a much higher rate of oxidative stress than, than digesting fat does. Even the healthier kind of carbohydrates like potatoes or rice or quinoa or those kinds of things, they actually cause more glycation. Carbohydrate restriction, however, causes hormesis because your body shifts into ketosis and starts using more fat for fuel. Potatoes. However, as we found out, some oxidative stress is actually beneficial for you because this inner response increases the body's capacity against external stressors and radicals as well. Which means you should lower your overall carbohydrate intake to be in ketosis the most of the time on any diet. But eating some carbohydrates around your workouts, it can yield a positive hormetic response. Incorporating some carbohydrates strategically on the ketogenic diet will improve your metabolic flexibility, which itself is a component of hormetic antifragility. So, what I recommend you do is, you know, test and experiment with your lifestyle by incorporating either the targeted ketogenic diet or the cyclical carb backloading type of eating. I have books and videos on both of them, so check it out. And also, the episode number 5 of this same podcast is the three stages of the ketogenic diet, which talks about the same metabolic flexibility, so you should definitely listen to it. Moving on, I want to talk about hormesis and anti-aging. Reducing reactive oxygen species with antioxidants and other compounds reduces oxidative stress and hypothetically it can increase your lifespan. However, it's been found that reactive oxygen species may actually have an essential role in the lifespan-promoting effects of hormesis. They act as redox signaling molecules that transport messages from the mitochondria to the other parts of the cell. Eating foods high in antioxidants or taking supplements will offset free radicals and it may block the hormetic response. This applies to physical exercise even. If you take a cold shower or consume a lot of curcumin post-workout, then you're stopping your muscles from adapting to the stimulus, which can actually lead to under-adaptation. So what does this all mean? What does it mean? It means that low levels of reactive oxygen species within the mitochondria increases your stress resistance and long-term reduction of oxidative stress. This is called mitochondrial hormesis or mitohormesis. Think about having small amounts of oxidative stress that would uh, teach your mitochondria to handling this type of things in the future a lot better. Repetitive exposure to mild stress has anti-aging effects which means that you should exercise hard, do intermittent fasting, take cold showers, have heat saunas and eat fermented foods on a consistent basis. You should still reduce your overall inflammation levels because hormesis follows a very dose-specific response. Too many free radicals are still damaging and most of the time you're better off with eating a lot of antioxidant-rich foods like cruciferous vegetables and curcumin. Occasionally exposing yourself to more carbohydrates or even grain products can benefit your body's ability to deal with them. Don't eat refined white bread or cake, but 
try to consume some homemade sourdough bread every once in a while. It will prevent gluten intolerance and it can also promote a diverse microbiome. Eating some lectins, peanuts or soy even will also make you more resilient to them. If you have an autoimmune condition like Hashimoto's or some other allergies then definitely you shouldn't do it because it will make your more disease more worse but as a healthy person you can introduce these foods into your diet I would say like every few months or so to improve your metabolic flexibility taking antioxidant supplements it can have a reversed effect on life extension and health effects if you're already eating a very healthy diet it's been suggested that antioxidant supplementation may actually increase disease prevalence in humans. Supplementing resveratrol, vitamin C or glutathione have been shown to be very good for your health and longevity. But uh, I would imagine you benefit from taking antioxidant supplements only if you are experiencing extremely high levels of additional stress like a night shift work, a poor night sleep working out seven to nine times a week like an athlete, traveling and experiencing jet lag or some other high demanding activity. At other times, you're most likely better off by eating a lot of cruciferous, berries, turmeric and some adaptogenic herbs for stress reduction. Calmness and control of breath are keys oh. to success. But how much is too much? There probably isn't a specific line you could draw between positive adaptation and under-recovery. You know, like, from this point on, I'm going to get weaker because I just can't do it anymore. I think, like, it, it depends a lot on how your individual organism has been conditioned with stress. If you're a sedentary person, then you shouldn't have intense CrossFit workouts. You're just gonna throw up and fail. You should build up a baseline level of fitness with some calisthenics and cardio first. Another example, if you're just lifting weights, then you probably won't succeed in running a marathon or vice versa. Your metabolic engine, it would just crash unless you've trained to do it. If you're eating a carbohydrate-based diet, then you're going to actually lose muscle and damage your body if you start to fast for longer than 24 hours. That's why you need to get into ketosis as soon as possible before starting any extended fasting. On a low-carb ketogenic approach, your body has already adapted to glucose restriction and thus you preserve all your lean muscle while burning fat exclusively. Some more examples. If you fall asleep while sunbathing, then you're gonna get sunburnt and it can actually increase your risk for skin cancer. If you expose yourself to high levels of nuclear radiation, you're gonna disrupt the magnetic field of your body and lead to many other mutations and diseases. Very small doses of radiation can cause hormesis, but it's not clearly shown and I definitely warn you against trying anything like that. You shouldn't definitely not microwave your body parts or work at Chernobyl or Fukushima or something like that. <laughs> I'm not responsible for any damages to your health. Oh, this is the worst day ever. I'm gonna give you now an idea of knowing how much is too much. When you're trying to live an anti-fragile lifestyle, you have to maintain a state of hormetic readiness. Basically what I mean about it is that it's about being under slight stressors in which your body has not yet completely reached positive adaptation. Full recovery means that 
that you have no additional stimuli to enforce adaptation on. Imagine this straight line of stagnation that will eventually lead to under-adaptation because there's nothing that would demand hormesis from the body. As we know, in hospitals, the heart monitors measure your heartbeats. A complete straight line indicates death, and that's, what, that's where you don't want to be. So, you want to mostly be in at least a slight incline to be climbing and under mild stress to give your body some stimulation, then you're always in this position where you can cash in on your hormesis, so to say. It becomes a problem when stress becomes chronic, when you're constantly in fight or flight without ever recovering from it. You need to hit yourself with a strong stimuli that would trigger a reaction of some sort. Then your body will turn on all these adaptive mechanisms like AMPK and hormesis that put you into hashtag code red pretty much. This is going to lead to a chain reaction of events that summon your body's protective and reinvigorating processes. After the stressor has been fought off, you start repairing the damage with good quality sleep, nutrition, some antioxidants, cold therapy, yoga, foam rolling, heat saunas or meditation. Just, just complete rest and relaxation to switch into parasympathetic mode. As soon as you recover from the stress, you should be stronger and more augmented, which means that you're invited to hit yourself with another dose of hormesis. So how do you track your readiness? There are many ways of knowing whether or not you've actually recovered from the stress. Measuring your heart rate variability is a great way to know the state of your nervous system. Are you more sympathetic or parasympathetic dominant? There are many chest straps and devices out there that you can use to measure this. Tracking your sleep should be another essential part of your health routine. How well do you sleep? How long do you spend in different stages and so on? I'm using the Aura Ring for this because it's incredibly stylish and the airplane mode it prevents the Bluetooth signaling from disrupting my sleep as well. And if you want to purchase yourself one of these, then you can use the code SEAMLUND to, to get a minus 10% of the Aura Ring. Looking at your physical strength and balance will also indicate the state of your nervous system. If you're weaker than you were before, then you haven't recovered and it would be better to have an easier recovery style workout before hitting it hard again. If you struggle maintaining balance or suffering from brain fog, then you're also under-recovered. It takes about 48 to 72 hours for your muscles to recover, but your nervous system can take up to 5 to 7 days. So you have to be very careful with how intense exercise you do and how often you do it. I can also give you this simple 1 minute exercise that can give you some idea about the state of your nervous system. So you take out your stopwatch, you time yourself for 20 seconds and during that time you tap your finger on the table as fast as you can. Like By the end of it you should get a score of how many taps did you get. Uh, which, you, which should tell you how recovered you are. Keep in mind that you have to do this over a longer period to establish a baseline of where you're currently at and you have to do it at the same time of day as well because your readiness and the state of your nervous system it will fluctuate between the morning and evening. Whether that be because of you're a morning person or whether or not you drank coffee or something like that.
So, tracking your mood and overall sense of well-being in a simple journal format, they're also like the easiest ways of doing this. You can, you can score yourself on a scale of 1 to 10. 10 being like, I can run through a wall with no problems and I'm, I'm super motivated, yeah, pumped, let's do this. And number one would be that you're hospitalized in a bed with, you know, some doctors working on you. Lack of motivation can also mean that you're still tired from your previous workout. Of course, there's a difference between just being lazy and actually having adrenal fatigue, but you have to test and experiment keep track of your numbers and then develop this intuitive knowledge about your body. Be formless, shapeless, like water. What hormesis shows is that it's the intensity and the frequency of the stimuli that matters. You won't get fit by going to the gym once a month and doing it really hard. You won't lose weight by eating a salad for lunch but you still have burgers and ice cream for dinner. You have to stay consistent with it as to build up your tolerance to these stressors. And this applies to everything, to meditating, to working on your business, to reading and everything else. Consistency will lead to long-term adaptation and it's the key to positive hormesis. So whenever you're at a party or an event and your healthy biohacker friends judge you for eating gluten or wearing warm clothes indoors then then you should tell them that I'm triggering hormesis man I'm getting stronger and I'm getting better more anti-fragile that will show them but um, I recommend you to start incorporating voluntary challenges both physical and mental into your everyday life more often don't turn on the central heating don't eat for three days, skip your morning coffee so you would cause emotional turmoil and experience some anti-fragility first and foremost. Your body has no other option but to adapt if it gets exposed to these kinds of circumstances. If you're thrown into the wilderness, then you have no other option but to survive, otherwise you're gonna die. It's just that our own minds they get in our own way and they stop us from ever getting exposed to these kinds of stresses. There is no spoon. If, if we were to be left all by ourselves, living in the modern comfortable world with our primal brains and preconditions, then we would most likely get obese and diabetic. We would most definitely not become anti-fragile. Embracing these difficult situations deliberately doing them voluntarily and embracing them that is where you will experience hormesis that is where you get out of your comfort zone that is where you grow and that's where most of the magic happens and you will ultimately live a happier life why, why do you persist because i choose to i'm sure there's a lot of valuable information from this and some thinking material and let me know what you think about it. If you want to support this podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes, subscribe on social media, hit me up on my Facebook group, and I'll, I'll stay tuned for the next episode. Thanks for listening. Make sure you click the like, subscribe, notification bell as well. My name's Seem. Stay hormetic. Stay empowered.